This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another hot stove edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. A couple of really big developments for the Red Sox. They have signed James Paxton to a Potentially multi-year deal. He'll make $10 million on the first year. And then there's uh, options and I think some incentives uh, after that. Uh, also just developing within the last couple hours, Rich Hill has signed with the Red Sox on a one-year $4 million deal. Going to be getting into that. Just a few other signings of note. Javier Baez will go to the Detroit Tigers as a shortstop. Apparently, Eduardo Rodriguez was outspoken. He wanted a good defensive shortstop, and uh, that was per the owner in his comments to the media. So that was probably their logic in bringing in uh, Baez. Also, let's see. Oh, I'm drawing some blanks. What else happened? Marcus Stroman, three-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. Surprisingly shorter on the ears, but his uh, AAV is uh, one of the higher ones for any pitchers that signed. Maybe even be the second highest uh, outside of Scherzer. And then one more. Who am I forgetting? <laughs> I should have wrote him down. We had Corey Nabel sign. With the, that uh, was one. Yeah, with he the, signed with... Phillies on a one-year deal. I know I'm missing one big one, <laughs> but that's fine. We'll get to it. We're also trying to keep an eye on the Chris Bryant market to see if they sneak him in before the midnight deadline. The uh, We'll just touch on that super quick before we get into it. The lockout is definitely going to go into effect at, I believe, midnight Eastern. There were tons of meetings in Dallas between the owners and the Players Association, but apparently not a lot of traction uh, was to be had. So the lockout will will take place and could conceivably last into February, and there will be no signings uh, in in within that time period. So it could get pretty quiet here for a little while. We'll we'll find excuses to come up with content i also saw something that the the coaches can't even talk to the players did you guys see that that is part <laughs> of the the rules of a lockout um you can't talk to your players the team facilities will be closed all of the above um yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how guys stay in shape um how guys get ready for a season that we hope is going to start in april uh, when the lockout begins in an hour and uh, change here. Yeah, hopefully they, uh, you know, they took care of all this, gave the players instructions, certain 
workout regimens uh, specific to what they want. So, all right, let's just get into it, though. The Red Sox did sneak in a couple of signings. Uh, let's just, we can just kind of cover them both at the same time. Uh, Andrew, go ahead. Uh, your thoughts on Paxton and Rich Hill. Paxton, um, I'm, I was really happy to see that. That was pretty much a big market move that Bloom kind of talked about when he was brought up flexing the financial muscle of a team like the Red Sox. It, it, it's not always signing the highest price. It's signing a deal that other teams, mid-markets and smaller, can't offer to that player. Because no, this is a $10 million lottery ticket for a guy that's going to be recovering from TJ. Uh, apparently, it was a very standard Tommy John operation per um, Paxton. So it sounds like he should only take a year to recover. So hopefully, that's mid-season. And then they have... A very affordable two-team options or one-team option for two years that would only be about $25 million total. And this team needs pitching down the road. Uh, it's very blurry what the pitching rotation will be after the season. There's question marks with Nate Valdi. He's obviously a free agent. Chris Sale has an opt-out. I can't, I can't fathom him opting out, but there's not much in the system right now in terms of starting pitchers hasn't been in damn near a decade. So if James Paxton can show you velocity, that's huge. He was one of the best pitchers in the league when healthy. Granted, he's had some big injuries. One was had absolutely nothing to do with any arm sort of arm issue. It was a cyst on his spine. I, I, there's zero, he, you know, that's out of a player's control. And then obviously the arm injury, but it's going to sound weird. He looked really good in the inning he threw last year. His stuff looks great. He definitely took a step back with the Yankees. But before that, you know, when he got traded over there, it was like, ah, oh, crap. The Yankees got themselves an ace. So he, if he can give us 80, 85% of that, this is your trade acquisition right there. A midseason trade acquisition. And he can bolster this team and, the sign we'll get into later uh, can kind of bridge the gap to that. And uh, thoughts on Rich Hill? Rich Hill, I, I've been tweeting about that for a couple of weeks now. I, I wanted Rich Hill as a target. I want him to get paired up essentially with a Hauk or a Whitlock. I would love to see him only throw four or five innings a game. And then you bring in one of those two guys and pretty much have them bring him to the ninth. I think it's a winning combination there. And Rich Hill actually threw more innings than any Red Sox starter not named Nate Eovaldi last year. And at 41, that's a hell of a feat. He shows no signs of slowing down. He's obviously going to run into issues, but uh, with health, that's always a potential. But Corey's going to manage him correctly. He's not going to leave him out there to rot. You, you know, they will be very careful with him. And this allows you to keep one or maybe both of uh, your young guys, Tanner and Whitlock, in that flex kind of position that the Red Sox seem to want to go forward with. Um, and I think that kind of covers up some warts for both the starter and those two pitchers. So I'm happy with it. Uh, it's only $4 million, and it sounds like he had quite the market but wanted to come back to town. So I, it's a guy that's going to take the ball every fifth day. I don't, I don't see how he can go wrong. Well, 
you kind of said it right, Andrew, when you said that Paxson was a $10 million lottery ticket. But people in Boston seem to have the shortest memory of any fan base in the nation. Don't blame them for that. Uh, I also have a very short memory. Um, James Paxton, before getting traded to New York, was a Cy Young candidate more than once. James Paxton, before getting traded to New York, where they pitchers go to die, frankly, uh, over the last 10 years. Pitchers who go to New York, they get hurt. Their ERAs go through the roof because of the short porch. And, frankly, they haven't been able to develop good pitching to stay healthy in quite a while. I think the last pitcher of note that New York was able to keep healthy at, at a relatively robust age is CC Sabathia. Um, after that, pretty much all of their guys have had some injury concerns. James Paxton's going to be back in June, maybe July. What you're really looking for from him is to pitch maybe 12 starts next year. And if you can get 10 starts from him that are five innings, three earned runs, that's what we were expecting from Erod. But Paxton's upside, I think, is a lot higher than Erod's. Um, so people who are, for lack of a better term, frowning uh, on this move and trashing this move really just have forgotten how dominant James Paxton is. And it's not uncomparable to Noah Syndergaard as far as level of talent. I think Noah Syndergaard is a very comparable example. And people think that Noah Syndergaard getting paid $21 million and the Red Sox were in on that was a, you know, a failure by the Red Sox to not bring someone like that to town. I think they just did. They brought in a quality lefty who could be your number three guy, maybe your number two guy, in a pinch, uh, and whose ERAs over the last five seasons went healthy. I'm not going to count 2020 because that's a fluke year. And obviously 2021, he had Tommy John. But before that, 2019, a 3.82 in the American League East. 2018, a 3.76. 2017, a 2.98. I mean, this guy can flat out pitch. Uh, and he made 28 starts, 24 starts, and 20 starts in those in those years before starting 29 games for the Yankees in that 2019 year. Uh, I love this move. I think James Paxton is the kind of move that Heimblum makes that make you a contender. I think that makes you a contender. Uh, I, I like the Michael Walker signing, but a lot less than this one. I think... That puts you over the top. And then you add Rich Hill, that just gives you one more depth option. I mean, what we've really done here is replace Garrett Richards and Eduardo Rodriguez with Rich Hill, James Paxton, and Michael Walker. may sound like a downgrade, but you're one arm deeper than you were last season. So... You guys know how I feel about the Michael Walker signing. Absolutely hate it. I'm more pessimistic about him than than I was with Garrett Richards. James Paxton, I don't really know what to make of it. Before he was brought in and even Rich Hill, I mean, I was still hoping that Carlos Rodon might still be the guy. And not not a big not I a... think Sorry, I, I think he's better than Rodon. I do. I think he's a better talent. I think it's a better move. Well 
Rodon's been a lot better a lot more recently. And granted, he does have some some health concerns. And you'd have him for a full season versus just three months at best and then hopefully the month of October to follow that. But Paxton, I don't have his numbers up in front of me. He's never been a very high innings a year guy. Uh, that's just not, not what he's been. He's had minor injuries throughout his career that have plagued him during seasons. Uh, a lot of those years, it wasn't anything major. I didn't know what a glute muscle was until he injured that with the Yankees. That's your ass muscle. He pulled it and uh, missed some time. So he, he's just a guy that doesn't have the best record of health. And and then, of course... Do you course, want those numbers, Terry? Which ones? Do you want those innings numbers? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I've got them in front of me. All right. Uh, 2016, 121 innings. 2017, 136. 2018, 160. And 2019, 150. Okay, so back at that point, you know, 200 innings was was the gold standard. That wasn't that uncommon for starting pitchers to do. Now, you know, 2019, 2021, we're a lot more paranoid about how many times through the rotation we go. So we're not going to see too many guys go 200 innings, and I get that, but but still, he just he wasn't up there with the John Lester's, the Max Scherzer's. All of them bulldogs that could, you know, that could get there. Rich Hill, I like that one the most. He's going to be 42 on March 11th. So hopefully this isn't the year that Father Time catches up with him. I'm going to take it at face value and and kind of assume he's going to, he's going to be fairly solid. Probably, like Andrew said, not going to be much more than a four or five inning guy most of the time. But... Hopefully he'll be a guy that at least gets you to Paxton. Another thing about Paxton too, his delivery apparently is a bit complicated, and you know he's he's had his ups and downs. Most notably, uh, the the year or two he spent with the Yankees, tipped his pitches uh, at least once during that time frame. So um, I'm I'm not taking anything for granted. I mean, he it might take him a little while to figure it out when he comes back. And, and the, that's a concern. But here's my problem, though. It's the big picture that I'm uncomfortable with. We had plenty of cash to, to get one of those good guys. I don't have the list anymore. Oh, here it is right here. Here's a dozen or so pitchers. Eduardo Rodriguez, was that a big overpay? No, it wasn't. He got about what his market was. No. And a couple of you guys thought he was going to get a lot more That's than that. That's an underpay, according to you know me and Andrew. Exactly. Show. Uh, Justin Verlander ultimately took the qualifying offer, but did field other offers. I, I can't say that that's an overpay, but I'll give Bloom a pass on Verlander because there are injury concerns. Steven Matz, uh, from an average annual value, not an overpay, but four years was a lot to some people. Anthony DiScalfani, uh, three years, $36 million, not an overpay. I'll give Bloom a pass on Syndergaard. I'll give him a pass on Scherzer because we weren't going to deal with that type of insanity. Kevin Gosman, five years, what was it, 110 That's That's not an overpay. Alex Wood, I think, would have been a better lefty to go with than, than Rich Hill or James Paxton. Two years, but 20, none of those, million. But none of those Giants got, I mean... 
Wood and Di Scalfani, they re-signed, though. They, they weren't leaving San Francisco. Well, the, so I, the Red Sox could have made a, an offer. And so what I'm getting it at... It would have had to be in an offer they can't refuse, though. And then at that point, you're not smart market value. You would have overpaid. But on a short-term deal, I'm kind of willing to do that. As I as I mentioned with Carlos Rodon. So what what I'm getting at here is the market for starting pitching was not insane. And we we kind of went the dumpster diving route again for the second year in a row. And I'm uncomfortable with the big picture here. Uh, nobody knows what that is with Hein Bloom. We've never we've never seen it. And I mean, is are, is he never going to go after the, those mid-market guys for, for long-term stability? Because we don't know what Chris Sale is. He's the only long-term guy we have. Nathan Avaldi, we're not, I mean, we're not do, concerned about long-term. Do we know that those mid-market guys are long-term stability, though? Discofani was a question mark. Alex Wood hasn't been super reliable. And Steven Matz... He he had a really high ERA before finally having a good year last year, and then well decent year last year, and he's kind of in the same boat as Erod, where you need good defense. And the Red Sox, until they shake up that left side of the uh, of the infield, they're not going to have that, unfortunately. So I, I t- guys might be looking at that, and honestly, the quote from the Tigers GM. I watched the video; it was actually a little bit more damning. He said, as soon as Erod got here, he goes, we need defense. I need defense. Can you please get me defense? Like that, that could have been why a big reason why some of these pitchers didn't want to come. Well, I mean, that, that remains to be seen, but uh, this model isn't going to work. Like we're not going to contend for a world series and we should have, I think we should have Toronto was going to be tough. Still can. I mean, honestly, I don't like what Toronto's done. I think Gosman is a downgrade from um, Robbie Ray, who maybe Robbie Ray doesn't, you know, keep it up next year. I mean, that was a that that was a fluke upon flukes, and I that would take a lot for him to repeat that. And I think losing Simeon was huge, huge for that lineup. It's, I mean, it's 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 a piece that's missing, but. That's still a pretty damn explosive lineup. Oh, I agree it is. Yeah. I think they're the best team in the American League East. Uh, I don't think that they're one of the more improved teams. I just think that most teams in the American League got worse. Uh, In the American League East, for certain, all the teams that made moves are in the West. Well, every team is loading up. Look at Toronto this way. Barrios is their number one. We're we're not going to disagree on that. Alec Manoa is probably going to be a one or a two, and this might be the year he makes that step. So now Gosman's your number three. And their pitching program, their bullpen got really good down the stretch last year, and so did just about everyone in their rotation. So I'm not worried about Gosman at all. I think that was a good landing spot for him, uh, potentially. And... Tampa's got a great pitching program, as we know. I think the Red Sox are number three. I mean, did I, did, Dave... did Tampa get better? Has, has Tampa gotten better though? No, but they're... they lost McKay, and then are their I mean, I I don't think Kluber. I I don't think that I don't like that either. Worse. 
Can but, we ever say that Tampa's gotten worse? Every time we do, they come up with some guy that no yeah, one's ever heard of. They're winning 90. I'm giving them 90 right now. And it might be 95 or more. I think four teams can win 90. And Nelson Cruz, that could be a big loss, too. Because um, the second he signs now, there will be an extra 15 teams going after him. Because it'll have to be post-lockout. Well, he's not going back to Tampa no matter what. Yeah. But, but what, what I think other... he might be a guy that goes to Toronto. I think he might fill the semi-void in that lineup. That could very well. (laughs) That could be, yeah. I mean, some National League teams like Andrew said are going to be in on him. They've never really had the opportunity to pursue that type of a player. There there is also a competitive advantage that we have to mention. I know Terry doesn't want to talk about this, but uh, in Canada now, you need a vaccine in order as a professional (laughs) athlete to enter the country. Um, And so – you will have a competitive disadvantage where you won't be able to pitch a, a Chris Sale. And Aaron Aaron Judge will not be able to play in those games up at the Rogers Center, nor will J.D. Martinez, as far as we are, we're aware. So a lot of the American League East is going to be at a competitive disadvantage for 8 to 10 games apiece up in Toronto. It's going to be probably the difference maker in a close competitive race. I, I haven't looked at the schedule. I don't know when we go up there, but... I'm going to assume that it's going to be at least a factor for who makes the playoffs in the wild card race is how they do against Toronto. Missing nine game checks, though, I think some of these players might uh, have a change of heart because that's you a lot so? of. Yeah, I mean, that's a good. But chunk I'm talking of change. about the top talent, right? I'm talking about the top talent. JD Martinez probably doesn't care. Chris Sale probably doesn't care. Aaron Judge, the amount of money these guys make, they probably don't care. It they is, might not walk away from the sport over it, but it's, it's not the little guys that I'm worried about. It's the big guns. If you have to reshuffle your rotation because Chris Sale is slotted to pitch in Toronto, but he can't, and you have to reshuffle the whole rotation around that, that could mess you up for two weeks. I, I just It concerns me. It's a good thing the Rays aren't going to Montreal this year either because then, then you're in big trouble. One other thing, though, before I get off the bloom bonfire I'm having here, um, none of these guys have worked out. Martin Perez did not work out. Garrett Richards did not work out. Any of the 2020 guys, not that they were supposed to work out, but we we never found a diamond in the rough that that I can remember. So, may you? We did in the bullpen. You might be able to say they fixed Robles. I mean, he was decent down the stretch, but but Didn't let up a, run, a single run in September. So <laughs> so Robles is the guy, but but we're well, the third best at, at, at the absolute best. We're the third best in this division. So I don't as of this moment. I here, I think there's our program. I mean, that's where I'm going from. I'm talking about our pitching program, like our analytics, like Dave Bush, I I thought was going to have a a better influence on some of these guys, but it just, it hasn't happened yet. And we've seen Toronto's pitchers thrive. Rays have been doing it for a decade. So we're just, we're not where they're at as far as, as far as development analytics, as far as adjusting end season, it's just not there yet. So it's impossible for me to try to have confidence in a guy like Michael Walker. And yeah, he's got a na- nasty changeup and it, it improved down the stretch last year, but the league's going to figure that out. And then what does he fall back on? 
probably nothing and then he's gonna suck like he has since 2013 i i don't like it and with with paxton i've got a little bit more optimism but i'm just we 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 had we had all the opportunities to put a better rotation out there and and you know, i don't think they're done I, I really don't in the rotation I, they I are think, I, I don't even know that that's the case i think you might end up with michael Walker being a bullpen arm I, I could see that i also don't think that rich hill is going to take the ball every fifth day the way andrew does i think he might be your swiss army knife so to speak pitch him once every fourth day uh for three innings apiece because he can do it however you want him to do it he's been successful in fact his least successful recent stop was in boston uh after leaving boston to go to the dodgers he was successful and that's why he's still in the league at 41 he can adapt and then again i don't know that the rotation is done there are guys on the trade market that i think we could go after yeah, obviously the tra- the trade market hasn't even been touched, and there's still going to be teams in financial, uh, just financial shithole essentially. With you got the Reds that need to get rid of Sonny Gray. Uh, they're even talking about Luis Castillo, which Castillo a, is going to uh, go. That would just be such a middle finger to their fans. And then and obviously the yeah the Las Vegas or the Oakland don't call me Las Vegas uh, Athletics need to get rid of three pitchers. Which, I mean, there's still a lot on the trade market. And what these moves told me, they're probably going to go past any, you know, tax line that would have been the one in 2021. There's just, I mean, there's no way that they would be under 210 at this current projection base. If they're sitting at 198 plus right now, they are going to add to the bullpen. They'll probably mess around with a bat of some sort by all accounts they're still heavily in on schwarber um about two hours ago there was a they were linked to correa having had talked to him uh trevor's story is still out there i i don't think it's gonna be that much of an issue for the red sox uh in terms of financial um threshold i i would love to see a danny duffy uh come here um i would love that he was obviously hurt at the end of the year, but that was just uh, there's just another type of arm that can really play out. And you do have a couple people coming up. Cutter Crawford has looked really good in the Mexican league, uh, and then Winkowski at some point. So I don't know. I I'm not super worried about this. It all depends on Nate and Sale, and even if you signed a Stroman or a Gosman. If those guys suck, no, no one signing was, in my opinion, was really going to save them when it came to a starter. I look at it, and Terry, I'm, I want to know what you think about this. I'm, I'm curious what your point of view was on this. But I think the next move to fall, next domino to fall for this Red Sox team is going to be an extension for Rafael Devers. And uh, the reason I think that is because of what Andrew just said. They're going to blow by the tax. And I think they've been hesitant to do it because they don't want to go past the tax the last couple of years. That might be what's holding up the Rafael Devers extension, is that they don't want to go past the tax in previous years. Well, this year, if they're going to go past the tax in for a dime, in for a dollar, that's the way that the tax works. 
unless they restructure it when uh, when they land in an agreement, hopefully before the 2021 season is supposed to begin. If they're going to go past it, now's the time to extend Rafael Devers. I'm not. I'm. I'm an extreme skeptic. Well, maybe extreme's probably too strong of a word, but I don't know that that's can, a given. <laughs> can we touch on that for a minute? Actually, the Devers topic. Yeah, go ahead. Because I've actually been. I was writing something out the last couple of days on it, and you know, the more I think about it, I don't. I've grown less confident. Not that they're not willing to give up the money. I think they're worried about a ten to twelve year deal with him. I think they want to give him eight. I, I, but he's obviously looking at what these younger guys have gotten. I don't know how he's going to age. And that kind of scares me. And I'm pretty sure it probably scares them too. Because does a $360 million investment over 12 years, I, you, that's not one of those ones where you look at, you're like, oh, that's fine. I mean, if he has to move off X base and go to, you know, base Y. The only option for him is being your long-term DH. And that's a very high... I mean, who have we seen ever get paid that much money to be a DH-only kind of guy? And the answer is... Nelson Cruz is making a living on it. Yeah, I but mean, he's not making $30 million a year. Fair enough. That, he's also not Stanton, 23 years old. Well, neither is Devers. Devers is what, 26, 25, 26? Turn 26. 26? Just, yeah. just turned 25, actually, uh, during the season. Um, I think it would be absolutely insane not to do it myself. Um, we were talking just yesterday. One of the worst deals signed in the last four days was the Corey Seager deal. Dude can't stay healthy. He, I think he's played more than 100 games just twice so far in his career. Cannot stay healthy. And he's a future DH. Bryce Harper, future DH. It's That's just going to be the nature of the beast for these 12-year contract guys. And Fernando Tatis Jr., another one. I mean, yeah. he might not be a future DH, but he already has shoulder problems with the, a dislocated shoulder that he can't seem to get healthy. He missed about 60 games this past year with it. Uh, and he's got the monster of all monster contracts. Um, little doubt they already made that money back in uh, advertising and uh, endorsement deals for him. So it, either way. Right now, but, Carlos Correa has more red flags to me than Rafi Devers does. Devers is never injured for the most part. And and quite frankly, he, he's kind of been a gamer about it and kind of grinded them out. And I love that personality. So if he ends up being a DH, that's fine because he's going to be a top 10 producer offensively for the rest of his career and he's gonna be a first ballot hall of famer it's just absolutely unacceptable to me to not commit to somebody and i i he's got the clutch gene his postseason numbers are off the charts uh, same as big poppy or even better in a, in a few different categories and he He's a guy that I would absolutely sign, and, and that extension should have happened at least a year ago so that the 12-year deal only would have went through his age probably 36, 37 season, and, and it would have been a lot more team-friendly. They, they've they handled him the worst possible way. <laughs> they were always $100 million behind on Mookie, apparently. When they offered him 200, 
he wanted three, and then when he they offered him three, he wanted four, apparently. And we have a lockout. It is confirmed. We're a little late to it, I guess. Uh, the MLB owners have unanimously voted on a lockout. Well, we knew it would happen. So I, that's my Devers rant. I, that's going to be extremely painful to me. The Mookie part wasn't painful because he, he didn't want to play here. He never he never embraced Boston. You know, only when he absolutely had to did he say something nice about the city of Boston. If if instead of signing Devers because they have concerns, what if they gave Xander an extension because they thought, you know what, he can move over to uh, the third? God, no. No, I'm, I'm out on Xander. I, in fact, I can't wait until next winter to watch the carnage on social media for the Red Sox to not give him the $300 million deal he's going to be looking for. And he's unlike, unlike Devers, he's not a gamer. He, he asks for days off. He tells Alex Corey, yeah, I'm a little tired. Give me a day off. And some of the second halves in his career have, haven't been great. He, he's a great first half guy, but he's fizzled out quite a bit. So I, I, I think, I think Bogarts is a, is a much worse investment. Quite frankly, I'd get I'd get Devers now while he's four years younger. I I can't disagree with the fact that I think Devers is the better investment. You you lost me a little bit on Hall of Fame because I I don't ever want to give somebody that. Oh, before he's they... he's going in. Just last year, I mean, only Ted Williams was better than him. And t- Tony, is it was it Tony Canigliaro? I get him mixed, yeah. yeah, I get but him mixed up with someone. But, yeah, go ahead. Here's the thing, though. There's still no DHs in the hall. You sign him to a 12-year deal and he moves to DH. Well, Ed- Edgar Martinez is actually in the Hall of Fame. But, oh, uh-uh. you're right. You're right. I, I misspoke. I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot about Edgar. Uh, and he got in on his final year on the ballot. He did, yeah. Well. So we'll yeah. see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. As they move to a 30-team DH, though, that's going to change. So maybe you're right. Just looking at his just player value, though, it honestly, him, I, he would have to play the field for at least four more years for that deal to make financial sense to me. And I love Devers. I want him here long term. I just it scares me to think that you could have a guy just locked up at DH till he's thirty eight years old. Uh, I'm good with it. <laughs> Red Sox fans should be fine with that. I mean, Big Poppy got topped out at like fifteen or sixteen million per year, and it, uh, he was happy with that. But I just you can't replace the you can't replace the bat. You you. I'm can't. just saying I'd be happier with a ten if it was ten. I'd Sign me up. All right. I well, would love a 10-year deal. Maybe he will. I mean, there were some 10-year deals given out. So so at that point, do you I you almost let him play out the next season or two. See, I I think that if that happens then he's going to be a Dodger or a Yankee or some other team that's willing to throw their money into the wind, and you know Heim Bloom is not going to do that. If you let him get to free agency, he will not be a Boston Red Sox. I don't think so either. He could win the MVP this year. 
He could do it. He's going to do it at least once in his career. I don't know if that's... I, I think the MVP this year is going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I don't think it'll be close. He will blow away the rest of the American League because I don't think that Shohei Otani will stay healthy. Well, and otherwise, it's Shohei's award. Well, the, the point I'm getting at is if he has his career best year, you're looking at about $400 million if you wait another season to do it. And again, I'm in no way saying they shouldn't extend it. I just want that to be clear. I was just that was just my thoughts on why maybe there's two sides have been bickering back and forth, like what Rob Bradford said. And I don't know. I I, I too wish that they got this done like two or three years ago and buy, bought out you know arbitration or pre-arb and arb one. I that would have been the best idea. And I really hope they do that with Tristan Cassis coming up. Well, I, I think that they will. This is the year they're going to offer him the contract. And the reason I say that, like I said, in front of a diamond for a dollar is how the luxury tax works. And if you wait, I agree with Terry, if you wait one more year, the price tag is going to jump another 15 to $20 million. If they don't do it this offseason, if opening day happens and he doesn't have an extension, I'm going to be at least 50% certain he's not coming back. That That there's no plans to even do it. Is is what I'm getting at. There's no reason not to do it this year. So, we're, that we're gonna. This is gonna be a topic for quite a while, you know, and we're gonna speculate on it. And I, I know we wanted to talk Rich Hill and James Paxton, but I I just needed to bring that up. I think it's gonna be a, a key piece of what's gonna happen the rest of this offseason is gonna be Rafael Devers. And I'll tell you what, if they do nothing else to this team. But they signed a Rafael Devers extension. You can give Heim Bloom a big A, capital letter A, for his performance this offseason. And if they don't, it's probably like a C. Somewhere uh, that, in that that's category. where I'm that's at. That's how big uh, I think it is. I, I told Andrew, or I think I might have even mentioned it in the war room before we come in. I mean, I was at a D based just on the rotation. And I, I like the Hill signing more than the other two. So now I'm at about a C. I'm skeptical. You guys are saying these guys are going over the luxury tax. I don't think so. All three pitchers we have, let's see, 7 million, 10 million, and 4 million. So that's 21 million. That's 1 million less than what Eduardo Rodriguez got with the Tigers. And we're paying three guys that. I think we're staying under the luxury tax. I think we're going to get some cheap relief arms. One of these starters we got, if not Tanner Houck, is going into the pen anyway. I think Whitlock stays in the pen. Um, they'll they'll get someone else. Uh, Bizarro might come up. He was healthy at the end of the year last year. Andrew, that's his forte more. But I think at least one guy comes up from the farm and uh, serves out in the bullpen. And maybe we get another guy for $10 million or something. I, I don't know. And well, I I don't know if, if we can I make one prediction. Yeah, go ahead. I think that they end up with one of the Oakland Athletic uh, pitchers. That's where I was going to go as well. And I think it's after Matt Olson is traded. And I think, much to my dismay, Sir Robert Dahlbeck will be uh, headed out to hit moonshots out in Oakland. I he would be the Poor perfect Vegas. fit. Yeah, <laughs> knock down the Tropicana and put that in. I actually love that plan. Um, that excites me, by the way, if it happens. That, so I, I think that they could sign a guy like 
I don't know, maybe like a Rizzo or one of these other first basemen that are out there to, you know, kind of man it till uh, Tristan's ready if they don't feel confident in giving day one. But So, wait, when you say – What about, say, uh, Mitch Moreland? What about, like, you know, Oakland? Did he, he didn't retire? <laughs> you no, know, he did not. He's in Oakland. Uh, and, you know, if Oakland is shedding players, that's a guy that, you know, you can trust for the first 90 games or so of the season. And uh, he has similar splits as a lefty to what you would expect from a rookie in Casas. So maybe he's not complimentary, but uh, that's a guy that if Oakland's looking to shed talent, uh, you could probably pick up for some cheap prospects. And you say a pitcher, like who are you targeting Bassett or Manaya? I think it'd probably be Manaya. Really? Yeah. I think Bassett might cost a little bit more. Um, I mean, he was their proverbial ace before he got knocked out. Manaya has the higher ceiling, though, but he's got Manaya is the better pitcher. He's got he's got injury concerns though and more so than Bassett. Bassett's only on a one year deal. I, I think Monta uh, uh, Frankie Montes reunion is out of the question. He'll cost too much. Probably, yeah, yeah. So, well, any, anything else? Uh, let's just check. Uh, I don't know if. Where they announced the no lockout. News. Okay. I've actually John Heyman had the lockout news. I've been going to MLB trade rumors a lot <laughs> just because especially first thing in the morning rather than scroll through tons of tweets. Uh yeah, but that's uh that's about it. Um Twins got Jake Faria, ex Tampa guy, but uh, all right. Uh, any any other thoughts? Anything random that was on your mind that you want to bring up? Not really. Um, I guess just follow prospect news because <laughs> those are the only guys they'll be able to play if there's any sort of extended lockout. Uh, obviously, those guys aren't on the 40, or at least most of them. And then no news on whether they'll hold the Rule 5 draft that was scheduled for the 8th. Uh, obviously that's a big game for the Red Sox the last couple of years. So yeah, I guess it's just full wait and see mode. This is obviously a formality. At least we got a pretty exciting off season. You know, this last week has been really fun. It's kind of been like an NFL it's been very different. NBA one. Yeah. I mean, we'd be it's waiting like, till right before spring training anyways for some news. So it just, used to be February. Right, I mean, the last couple of yeah. years, it's been like no one signs until February. The big and contracts. At least this has been this has been very exciting. Uh, I think from now until February, we're in uh, wait and see mode because I don't know that this will get done anytime soon. I am hopeful we will see baseball in 2021. I don't know that it will start on time. 2022. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, this see, isn't there you go. a WBC a year, no. I don't believe so, but let me check that. Okay. Because it's an Olympic year for the winter, so it could be. Okay. I was just curious. That would have been a little bit of baseball to uh, look forward to. But hopefully it gets done before February, the the CBA. I mean, the owners must know they have to make concessions. So we'll – We'll check that out. But for everyone in the audience, we will be finding reasons to come back, come back on. Um, The YouTube channel is busy. We got a whole new crew over there. It's a separate crew, so it's not going to be our takes getting rehashed. So check them out. They have a 
great format, by the way, like for shows to do. We'll, we'll get into that later. But if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel yet, just search Bastards of Boston on there. Come right up. Be sure to subscribe. And like I said, we'll, we'll come up with reasons to uh, come on and keep everybody as entertained as possible. And if we're lucky, maybe maybe by the end of the month or mid-January, they'll get this uh, wrapped up and uh, the, you know, the signings will continue, perhaps some trades. So uh, everybody have a good rest of your week. Take care.